All right, good to see you today. How's everybody doing? Anybody ever really been hungry in their life? Really been hungry? Raise your hand if you've ever really been hungry. I was really hungry yesterday. Um, I didn't eat breakfast, didn't eat lunch. Then I went to a wedding. I thought it was going to be a big meal. Turned out not to be. Um, turned out to be kind of snacks and, you know, like little cheese things. And uh, it was great. Wedding was great, but I left here at 1.30, got home about 8.30, so um, I was in L.A., and I, I stopped, we stopped at uh, In-N-Out. And, you know, we drive through, and I think, well, we'll just get like a double-double with cheese, no onions, fries, and we'll split it, my wife and I, right? And I kind of counted on her just taking a bite. <laughs> you ever had one of those experiences where, and then she surprises you, and she wants the whole half? So she wanted the whole half, and so we, we just got on the highway, just got on the 101, we're driving along, and I'm thinking, I'm starving already, and I, you know, I'm ashamed to turn around and go back, so we're driving along, and we get all the way down into, you know, on the 91 there, and I see in and out again, and I go, we're going back. <laughs> so we go back in for a second one, and you know, the line's there, and, and they have something called a lap mat. It's, you know, it's, it's like a placemat, but if you're in your car, you put it on your lap, and then you don't spill everything on you, which is a great idea, really. It's hard to hold it on there when you're driving, but, but anyway, so I go, but I didn't know they had lap mats. So I go through there, and I order, and I pay, and, and, I'm, and I had the trash from the first in and out, and so I hand it to the guy, and I said, hey, would you take this? And he goes, you already been? I said, yeah, just about 30 minutes ago, and we decided to do it again. You know, it was so good. And he said, would you like a lap mat? And I thought he said, would you like a lap band? I'm thinking, you know, cancel that double-double. If the dude in the window is looking down at me saying, you need a lap band, I'm in trouble, right? But uh, fortunately, he had me the lap mat, and I felt much, much better, felt thinner, just instantly felt thinner. And uh, fortunately, my wife couldn't finish the second half. We had it cut in half, and she gave up after about two bites, and so I had something more than one, all right, is what I had. You know, um, it's always good to see what God is doing in our life, and as we reflect back on last week and, and what God did, and we saw... Uh, uh, over 100 people make a decision for Christ. And, uh, you know, what an exciting time that is for us. Since we began this church, uh, today is really 23 months exactly. We began on the, the 12th of February uh, just really uh, two years ago. So this is our 23rd month. And I was sitting in the coffee shop earlier with someone, and we were talking, and I, and I looked around, and I said, I don't even know how we got this. I don't know how we got this far. I don't know because it's certainly not us, it just had to be God. You know, that God did something because we, we kind of got down that first year and we looked at the bank, we had money in the bank. I thought, how do we get money in the bank? We had a lot of money in the bank. Now we haven't invested in this building. But I also look back at other things that God has done over the last 23 months. Look back at over, uh, over 100 people have been baptized uh, through, you know, through the waters of baptism in our church. We've seen hundreds of people come to faith in Christ. We've seen people uh, physically restored. We've seen marriages restored in, in really some really, really amazing ways. And then to see 100 people come and make decisions for Christ last week was pretty amazing uh, as well. Uh, also last week, it was pretty amazing. We, we live streamed this, this service, so 
uh, some people who could be here or not here today because they're sitting at home on their couch and they're watching us, and we want to do a shout-out to you and say, we're glad you're out there, but also our, uh, our location in Abu Dhabi and, and the other one we have in Big Bear, we just want to do shout-outs to our live stream audience. But last week, we had 1,345 people watching on live stream. I mean, think about that. It's pretty amazing, and, and with last week, so... With last week's attendance and this week uh, and that, that live stream audience, we had almost 2,500 people uh, participating in our service from last week. But it was also neat to see when people go to our website, they go there and they, they spend time kind of looking around and reading doctrine and, and, and watching sermons and doing different things like that. And last week, just one day on Sunday, we had 3,500 unique visitors to our website. The reason I tell you that is because we're making a big impact in our world. We can make a bigger impact. We can influence more people for Jesus Christ, but we have to do something. God doesn't do that for us. We do that. And God uses us. We partner with God in in his kingdom work to see great and mighty things done. And great things can only be done when we are yielded to the Holy Spirit of God, and he becomes our power and our source and our strength in everything we do. Today I want to talk to you about the power and the presence of God and really talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit of God. We want to honor him. Dwight L. Moody, who at one time pastored the largest church in in America in Chicago, he said, no movement or no man will ever succeed unless they honor the Holy Spirit of God. And I believe that is true. When Jesus wrote to his disciples in John 14 and beginning in verse 15, he wanted them to know something about the ministry of the Holy Spirit then and what his ministry would be in the days ahead. Look with me, if you will, in John 14, and we're going to take our time working through two passages in John and one, in John 14 and one in John 16. But here's what it says: if you love me. What if Jesus were to say to you right now, Do you love me? What would you say? You'd want to say, I love you, Jesus. And then he puts this condition on it. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. In other words, saying it doesn't validate it. What validates our love relationship with God is doing what Jesus says. It is falling in step with his commandments. It's knowing what he says and said, and, and not that we're perfect or will ever be perfect, but saying, God, with all my heart, I want to follow your commandments, and when I fail to, I want to get back in step with you. And then he says this in verse 16, and I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Now, he's speaking prior to Pentecost, so it's this time before the Holy Spirit is given in Acts chapter 2. And he's saying there's a a ministry of the Holy Spirit now, but that ministry is going to go to a new level. He said, I'm going to pray, and the Holy Spirit is going to come. He's going to be like a counselor, and he's going to be like a comforter to you. He said, and he's going to abide. Right now he's abiding with you, but he's going to be with you forever. See, the Holy Spirit doesn't come and leave you. Now, you can, be, you can be running on empty, so to speak. You can know Christ and be running on empty and not filled with the Spirit of God. In other words, not letting him control your life. And he wants to take control. What would happen if God, the Spirit, would take control of every dimension of your life? How would your life be different? You know, joy would be different. 
power would be different. Perspective would be different. I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday, and he said, you know, I really believe, we were talking about Nick uh, Vojacek and just kind of his ministry, and, and he said something that I thought really, really kind of struck me. He said, I believe an attitude that really exemplifies gratitude in everything we do is congruent with the Spirit of God. In other words, if you don't have an attitude of thankfulness and gratitude, you do not welcome the Holy Spirit of God into your world. And I wonder how many times we grieve the Spirit of God by simply not being thankful for everything we have. And that means good and that means bad. You know, Job put it like this. He said, can we receive good from God and not bad? I mean, it's a good question. Are you going to just say, I want only good from God? And sometimes God hands us something that doesn't look quite so good and doesn't feel quite so good. But here Jesus says that this Holy Spirit will abide with you for how long? How long does it say? How long? Forever. That doesn't mean until you mess up. That doesn't mean until next week. It doesn't mean. He means when the Spirit of God comes to live in you, he abides with you forever. And then he calls him what? The Spirit of truth. He's the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him but you know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. Now, we're going to talk a little bit more about that, but there is, a, there is a sense in which the Spirit of God was with them then, but he would be resident in them later. Now, let's go down to John 14, verses 25 through 27. These things have I spoken to you while I am present with you. So wouldn't it be great to walk the earth and walk with Jesus and just kind of know what he's doing? But, you know, he says there's something just even greater about this coming dispensation where the Spirit of God will not just be with you, but he will be living in you. The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, look what he'll do. He'll teach you all things. So what does the Holy Spirit of God do? He teaches you the Word of God. When you read the Word of God, one of the most important things you can pray is, Holy Spirit, would you teach me? Would you speak to me? Would you open my eyes? You see, I can speak to your mind, but it's the Spirit of God who opens up your soul and your heart and your mind to the Word of God in clarity. It says here, so he's going to teach you all things, and he's going to bring to your remembrance all that I have spoken unto you. You know, one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is when I find myself in a situation of not knowing what to do, the Holy Spirit will bring to my memory a verse sometimes that I haven't even memorized. Maybe just a little part of that. Maybe it's just a word of encouragement. The Holy Spirit will say, remember that, remember this, and he'll start to teach me in that moment. He'll bring to my remembrance what Jesus has spoken. And it's amazing how the Spirit of God can draw on that in your life. And then it goes on to say this, peace do I leave with you. You ever had an absence of peace in your life? Just felt like everything is running dry? And you go, I don't even know how to get peace right now. My mind is running. Preacher, I can hear you speaking, but my mind is going to my troubles. I hear you speaking, but my problem is going to my physical ailment. I hear what you say about peace, but financially, I'm really in a bad spot. I hear what you say, but I'm not even talking to my son or my daughter, my husband, my wife. You see, because we try to rely on our peace. 
It's the peace that passes understanding. He says, my peace do I give, leave you, not as the world gives. You know what the world kind of peace is? When everything's going great, we're at peace. When there's no problems, there are no conflicts, everything is ideal. But Jesus wants us to understand something of the supernatural peace that he provides in the middle of your conflicts. You have to take and do a checklist. You have to say, what is it that's distracting me from the peace of God? How does that peace surpass my understanding? How do I relinquish all my burdens and all my problems to him? And you just do it one by one. God, I can't control this one. I can't, I can't manage this when I give it to you right now. Would you give me your peace? Would you fill me with your peace? He says, I'll give it to you. You don't earn it. You may not even deserve it. But I'm going to give it to you as a gift, not as the world gives. And then he says "Let this, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now, why would he say that? He's got the disciples, right, the disciples got Jesus right there, and he's saying, let not your heart be troubled. Would you be troubled if Jesus was sitting next to you? I mean, I would be. He'd be looking inside of me going, hey, what about that? Why aren't you doing that? I know what you're thinking right now. I mean, all those things go through my mind. I'm thinking, this is not a comfortable place. I feel like I'm safer if he's in heaven. You know what I mean? It's kind of like you're safer when your mom's not watching when you're a kid, but somehow they always know. Moms always know. Well, think about it like this. We're not safer because Jesus is in heaven because he sent the Holy Spirit inside of us, and we are the temple of the living God. Now, we dialogue with him just as though he were sitting right in front of us right now by the Spirit of God. When the Spirit of truth comes, it says here, verse 16, let's go to John 16 now. (coughs) When he comes, the Spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all truth. I don't know what to do. What's the truth? The Spirit of God will guide you. You ever gone through one of those dilemmas where you have a problem and you don't know what to do about it, and so what do you do? You just say, well, I'm going to call up my friend because they always give me good advice. Call up the friend, and they give you some advice, and I got another friend, I'm going to call them, they give you a little bit different advice, and ultimately they always say, well, whatever the Lord wants, right? And then you go read a book. You read a book or two, you listen to Christian radio, you do something, you're trying to get, you're trying to get truth, you're trying to get an answer. And finally, when all is said and done, you don't know what else to do, what do you do? You go and pray. Oh, God, I don't know what to do. Lead me into all truth. And then he gives you an answer you don't want. You ever had that experience? Well, I don't want that answer. I want a different answer. I want what I want. No, God is going to lead you in a perfect way. He will lead you into all truth. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority. So the Holy Spirit never violates what Jesus has said or Scripture. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it unto you. A couple of years ago, I was uh, on a plane, and I I have never bought a first-class ticket in my life, but I have been bumped up twice, which is never disappointing. And it's never really good for you. Have you ever noticed that? Sitting in first class is never good for your ego. Because when I sit there, I think I am somebody. I'm sitting there, and you know, they always put the first class up front, so you have to walk by it, you know, and you walk by, and there they are, you know, they're eating warm, you know, little pastries, and they got real glass, and, you know, and they got real silverware, you know, because I guess first class people don't take over planes, and you know, and you're sitting there, and you're just sitting there like, yeah, look at me, I'm somebody, you know. I just got 
bumped up there because they need to balance the weight on the plane. That's really what it came down to. But I'm sitting in this, uh, I got bumped up on a flight from uh, New York to California about probably 10 years ago, and I'm sitting there, and I just bought this new book called The Tipping Point uh, and by Malcolm Gladwell. And I was, I had already been reading it, and I was working through it a little bit, and I, I turned it over, and I looked at the back cover, and I see this picture of Malcolm Gladwell, and I'm going, oh, you know, that's, that's kind of an interesting-looking guy, you know? And, and, uh, and then I, I look over at the guy seated, seated next to me, and I, and I go, that looks just like Malcolm Gladwell. And he's kind of fluffing his pillow. He's leaning it back, you know, the chair back. I mean, he's getting ready for a, for a wonderful trip. And I go, hey, is this you? And I hold the book up. And he goes, yeah, that's me. It's Malcolm Gladwell. And I go, hey, I just got the book. He said, if it's good, wake me up. If it's not, let me sleep. <laughs> the reason I tell that story was because Malcolm Gladwell just made the news here not too many months ago with a new book called David and Goliath, The Return to His Christian Faith. And here this best-selling author, editor of The New Yorker, has made this transformation from walking really kind of in quietness or away from God back to the core of what it means to live for Jesus Christ. And it's kind of this bombshell in liberal media New York where Gladwell has been such a proponent of all these wonderful ideas and thoughts and fabulous number of best-selling books, and all of a sudden he comes out in, in Relevant Magazine, a Christian online magazine, and other sources. Here he says, yeah, I've returned to my faith. They ask him, point out uh, in one of the newspapers, are you a Christian? I am a Christian. I do believe in Jesus Christ. And I wanted to tell you that story because, you see, the Spirit of God draws people. You think you can walk away from God? Just try it. It's the most miserable experience in the world to be a Christian and try to live apart from Christ because the Spirit of God draws you back unto himself. I want to talk to you about the presence of the Spirit of God in your life. Notice what it says there in John 14 and verse 17. It, it tells us something about it. It says that, that the world cannot receive. In other words, the Holy Spirit can be absent from you. You see, I, I was talking to someone the other day, and they said, uh, I, we were talking about being a Christian, and I, I said, are you a Christian? She said, yes, but not one of those born-again kind. <laughs> and I said, well, now, what kind of varieties are there? I'm, I mean, what, what different groups do you have? And, and she proceeded to tell me that I'm Catholic, and I said, well, you can be born again and be Catholic, you know. And she looked kind of shocked. She said, oh, no, we don't do that. And I said, well, I'll tell you what I want you to do. Get your Catholic Bible when you get home. Open it up to John chapter 3. Jesus is going to say this to a guy named Nicodemus. How can I get eternal life, Nicodemus asked. He said, you must be born again. There has to be a second birth for you to experience this life of God. So it's possible, you see, for a person, for the Spirit of God to be in this world and to be in other people and not be in you. He said the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or hears him. And what that means is they're not seeing with the spiritual eye. They're not perceiving that what God is, is doing all around them. That doesn't mean God's not doing something all around them. Then we also know that, that he tells us something about the Spirit of God is with you now. In that day... Before the Holy Spirit was given at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was, was influencing people. He's influencing people today. 
You get around someone who's walking in, with God, and you know what? You're going to sense the Spirit of God in them. There's going to be something about his presence there. He's going to be with them, but that doesn't make him in you. And the thing that we want to look at here is that, that he can be in you. Jesus said he will be in you. Think about it like this. It's a little radical. You are the dwelling place of God on earth. You are the temple of the living God. God dwells in you. His presence is known in you and through you. And the way that people know about this God is by your word, by your testimony, by your power in the spirit of God. You are the dwelling place of God on earth. It says in 1 Corinthians 6 and verses 19 and 20, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? And you are not your own. You see, when I said Jesus is Lord, I gave up my right to live my life my way. And I said, I can't do it. I need you. Holy Spirit of God, take control of me. Guide me. Lead me. You were bought with a price. You know what the price was? The cross. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he died for you. And so that he could establish his kingdom in your heart. He says, therefore, glorify God in your body because you are God's. Let me talk about the residence of the Spirit. What does it mean to to live and work and, and do your life with the Holy Spirit living inside of you? Jesus told his disciples, hey, I'm telling you these things because I want you to remember them when things aren't working well in your life. We all have those experiences, right? Something's not working well in our life. I want you to remember something about Jesus. You see, Jesus asks us this question, am I Lord of all of your life? Is Jesus Lord of all of your life? Are there areas of your life you go, you know, I really haven't yielded those to God, and that's really not important for me, and and I know I'd like to give that over to God, but I'm really not, Jesus is really not Lord of all of my life. It kind of begs the second question, is Jesus Lord at all? Is he Lord at all in your life? You know, it's different than just kind of feeling bad about something. It's like a coronation service where I have to crown him king. See, is he reigning or just resident in your life? You know, you can be a Christian and he can not be in control of your life. In other words, you can have what someone says, just got fire insurance. I know I'm going to heaven when I die, but in the meantime, I'm going to live like hell. Well, really? And isn't that really how a lot of Christians do? And some people go, well, you're Christian and you can't believe they're Christian because they're not living out that faith. He can be resident and not reigning in your life. Let me ask you this. How is Jesus doing in lordship with your job, your relationship with your children, your parents? How's he doing in relationship with your marriage? Have you given your marriage over to Jesus? Establish, establish Lordship in your marriage? Have you come to a place of unqualified submission to God? You know, it's one of those things where I go, God, whatever you want to do in my life, I give you my life. Have you ever been afraid to pray that? I can remember when I first came to faith in Christ, somebody told me about that, and I said, that doesn't sound like a good prayer. It sounded like a really bad prayer. It sounded like a great prayer to get in trouble with. They go, what do you mean? Well, what if I, like, say that, and then he says, oh, good, then it's open season on Phil. 
The guy said, God's going to do what God does regardless. He wants your heart to be bent in his direction. God wants your heart bent in his direction. Because we have to learn hard lessons, don't we? And God takes us through that, through that journey. How about unconfessed sin? Anything in your life you'd say, you know, that I really haven't brought that before God. Would you bring that to him even now? While I'm speaking, you can just say, God, I just want to yield that. I want to lay that at your feet. You know, the psalmist said this, bring before me, remind me of hidden sin. You know, there's some things that we do in, in violation to God's word, and it's not conscious. In fact, maybe it was at the time, but we've forgotten all about it. What would happen if we would simply say, I just want to bring this, I want to be my heart to be clean, and I want it to be pure before you, God. I want the Spirit of God to be able to use me in a great way and bring that peace that I read about in Scripture. And then there's thirst. Really been thirsty. Ever really been thirsty in your life? You know, there's something about just when you come reach that place, nothing really satisfies but water. In the spiritual realm, there's nothing that really satisfies but the Spirit of God. In John chapter 7, listen to what Jesus said. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me. Do you notice it says, come to me? It doesn't say, I'm going to you. You come to me. I've just say, God, I'm coming to you because I'm really thirsty and I want you to fill up my, 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 my soul and drink. And he who believes in me, as Scripture says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. I was preaching on this one time in a church in Mississippi, and, and I was getting all excited, and I was quoting this verse, and I, and I said it like this. I said, out of his heart shall flow livers of frivling water, and, and every time I tried to get it right, it got worse, and it got worse, and uh, every time I see that scripture, it's almost like the Spirit of God brings it back and says, you don't get filled because you often get the mechanics wrong. Not the quoting of the verse wrong, but you think you can be filled without yielding to me. We have to yield to the Spirit of God in our life. The purpose of the Spirit. What is the purpose of the Spirit of God in our life? Well, clearly it says here the Spirit of truth, when he has come, he will guide you into all truth. You see, there's some things here. One is discernment. You ever wondered about what to do and what not to do? You ever had that, is, does God want me to do this or God, or whose voice is that? One of the things I've learned about the Spirit of God is the Spirit of God never nags you to do something. You ever had that voice inside of you, you've got to do that, do that, you've got to hurry, 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 and do that, do that, do that, do that, do that? Spirit of God never does that. You know who does that? Satan does that. That's his voice. He says, are you going to do that? Are you going to do that? Well, you know, God doesn't love you. God doesn't love you. No, that's, that's not the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of God is still small voice that says, obey my voice. Do what I say. Follow what I say. I can remember times that, that we've been on this journey of this 23 months and just I really didn't know what to do. I mean, there would be times where I'd go, God, I don't even know where we're going to get the money. I don't know how we're going to make this happen. When we put a bid on this building, there were nine other bidders on this building, and all of them had money. All of them had financials. And I was sitting in there, and I just said, I don't even know how we got to this place in our life. And it was like God said, this is about me, not about you. 
This is about what I do through a group of people who are submitted to me and yielded to me and want to see God show up and do some amazing things. There's a discernment that God wants you to have about life, about how to respond to people, about how to talk to people, about how to pray. And that discernment, it says here, is a ministry of the Holy Spirit. And then there's a ministry of revelation. It says he will guide you into all truth. You see, the Scripture, just because you know it doesn't mean you understand it. You want revelation to come, the Spirit of God to speak to you out of those pages and speak revelation to you. And then he says, and he will also guide you into things that are to come. You know what that is? That's the prophetic. In other words, God can give you glimpses into how you should respond and what you should say and what's going on in your heart. And if you've got that disruption inside of you, say, I just don't feel good about that, then stop. When in doubt, don't. Just stop right there and say, I'm praying until I have clarity of the Spirit of God. When somebody speaks to you and says, I have a word for you, listen carefully, and and, and, and if if it's sound, the Spirit of God will confirm it. If not, let it fall to the ground. Let the Spirit of God work in you in this prophetic way because he wants to do something powerful. I love T.D. Jakes. I love one of the things he says. He, He says this, if we accept what life dictates to us, then the statistics become self-fulfilling prophecy. But when we dare to rise above and beyond the limitations of our lives, then we grow stronger and wiser, more willing to dream big. You know, when I was in eighth grade, I I had a teacher, no lie, named Miss Hickey. I don't know why, I would have changed my name. But Miss Hickey was, uh, was a real excellent English teacher, and I was a really poor English student. Anybody relate to that? I mean, they diagram sentences. I thought, why would you do that? Just write a sentence. You know, learning about verbs and adverbs and prepositions and all that stuff just seemed to an eighth grader, and even to me today, worthless, right? And I remember writing this paper and, and for Miss Hickey, and, and it was very creative. It really was creative and really poorly written. Okay, because I didn't care, and I forgot to put my name on the paper, which, you know, it's kind of like, this is double jeopardy coming up right now, right? It's a poorly written paper without your name on it, so now you're going to get called out because everybody, uh, I'm going to read this, this uh, story that somebody wrote, and I'm going to, it has no name on it. If it's yours, raise your hand. Now it's getting worse. So she's reading this story, and I'm thinking, this is really good. <laughs> and she stopped, and, and of course, she was reading it better than I wrote it. She said, this is a really creative idea, but really poorly written. Whose paper is this? And I raised my hand. I said, that's mine, Miss Hickey. I love to say Miss Hickey. And I said, that's mine, Miss Hickey. And she said, uh, you have a very creative mind, but you really are, are poor in English. And she said something like this, you'll never probably write, so don't ever try to write a book. All of us have had messages like that from someone, a parent, a friend, or a teacher. They spoke into us something that was not healthy and not true, probably. And that legacy stays with you. It never really leaves you. You know, if someone told you you weren't smart when you were growing up, you probably still believe it today. If someone told you God doesn't love you, you probably still believe it today. 
If someone told you you're not a public speaker, you probably believe it today, or you're not a writer, you probably believe it. And it becomes that self-fulfilling prophecy in our life that we constantly, it's always there, it's always scraping against the very, the very fabric of our soul, trying to, to, trying to destroy us. You see, the Satan comes, he said, I came to, to kill and to destroy, and, and that's what he wants to do in your life. And he can do it a lot of ways. He can do it in little ways by just diminishing the image of God that's in you, the ability that God has in you. It may be that you don't write well or you don't sing well or you don't work, you know, certain things you can't do well. It doesn't mean that you can't learn them. It doesn't mean you can't find a way to overcome them. The Spirit of God wants to do that in all of us. He wants to move us beyond our limitations in our life so that we grow stronger and stronger with every day that we do. I was on a plane from Kansas City a few years back, and I was sitting next to a gal who was reading an interesting book called The Passionate Organization. And I said to her, is that a good book? I like the title. And she said, it's a great book. Met the author, and we became friends. And then four or five years later, I suggested he rewrite that book, put it into small volumes, put story in there, and make it kind of interesting. And my creative side was kind of kicking in. And and he said, why don't we do this book together? And you know the first thing that came to my mind? You can't write. It was Miss Hickey. I can still see her face. It haunts me every day that I think about writing. It haunts me. And I said to Jim, I said, you know, Jim, I'm really not good at English and a good writer. He said, you don't have to be to write a book. I'm going, oh, good. He said, that's what editors are for. And somehow, the Spirit of God just spoke to me in that moment and just reminded me, every one of us have different gifts and different abilities that the Holy Spirit of God wants to pull together. Today, I have written and published 11 books. Poor Miss Hickey. And I'm still bad at English. What is the book in your life? Who's the Miss Hickey in your life that haunts you day in and day out? Just look that person in the eye if you can, in the heart's eye, and just say, you know what? That's not truth. I'm going to move into the, in the realm of truth of what God wants to do. You see, when the Spirit of God wants to take you and He wants to exhibit the supernatural in your life, to go beyond what you can do and see what God can do, you might look at your, your marriage and you say, my marriage is not strong. You know what? What could the Spirit of God do with your marriage? I don't know what to do about a job. I, 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 can't, I can't seem to make any money. I was, when I was in college, my roommate, his uh, father had died uh, when he was pretty young and the, and the mom was, uh, he was a preacher and the, the mom was, uh, had, was trying to, as a single parent, raise three young kids and they were just beside themselves. They had no money. And she was sitting there at her breakfast table, and she looked out of her back window there in, in, in Missouri, and she saw all these pecan trees. And she remembered years ago there was a man that came to the door and said, I'd love to be able to, to pick those pecans and pay you for them. And they didn't need the money at the time. She said, no, no, we, we like to pick them and we give them to people. And she called the man up. 
And every year he came and he picked the pecans and it was enough that would pay her rent for an entire year. And I remember Archie saying this to me. My mom said that your greatest riches are in your backyard. Look and see what you have. Can I say to you the greatest riches you have are in your backyard? Let the Spirit of God open your eye, give you plans, give you ideas, open doors of opportunity, give you strength and ability you didn't know you had to do what you want to do for the kingdom of God. That's the work of the Spirit. It's also the work of the Spirit to exalt the Savior. When, when you see, when he comes, he will not speak on his own authority. He'll speak of me. He'll lift up Jesus. We need to be led by the Spirit of God in all that we do. We need to release the work of God in our life so that God can be glorified and God can be honored in what we do. What is it right now you'd like to see God do in your life? First thing comes to your mind, what is it? Just in your mind, think about it right now. You got it? Would you just give it to him? Don't overthink this. First thing comes to your mind, I want to see God do this in my life. Would you give that to him and not take it back? Would you let God do something in your life right there, right now? Let's pray together as we ask God just to speak to us. Holy Spirit of God, we want to pray that right now you're going to to take and just touch every heart with the miracle of what you want to do. God, we believe you're a great and an awesome God, and there are things that need to happen in our life that can only happen by your Spirit. Father, as everyone has had a thought and had a, had a picture of what they need to do, maybe it's the, the Miss Hickey in their life, maybe it's the pecan tree in the backyard, but God, you want to burst something wonderful in all of our hearts. You want to take and just bring us to a place of great, great understanding, and it's by your Spirit, not only that we come to faith in Christ, God, but as in your Spirit as we develop as your children and really exemplify the image of God in our daily life. Would you just stand with me now as we pray and just for a moment more, just bow your head. If there's something that you want to just give to God or you've already given to God, you've got that one thing in your mind right now, I'm going to ask you just to hold your hand out as if you're offering it to God and say, here it is, God. Just hold it out. Here it is, God. I give it to you. You might say something like this. I've tried to do it, God. It's not working. I feel like there's a voice in my head that keeps telling me, no, I can't. I need to hear the voice from God that says, yes, you can. I don't know which way to turn. I don't have peace. Here it is, God, I offer you. I need peace in my life right now. Now just hold it there for a moment. Just keep your hand extended. Just keep them out there. Notice how your hand gets a little heavy after a while? It's how life gets when you try to hold on to things too long and not relinquish them to God. We have to relinquish things to God. We have to let God have it. You see, God has, has really won us by His love. Now just let your hand down, and it's just in God's hand now. As we sing this together, would you just release completely to God all that you're believing Him for right now?
as we sing.